0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Citywide podcast in association with Dynamic Planner. I'm Ian Horn, and today I'm joined by Chris Jones from Dynamic Planner and Steve Braidford, Financial Planner at Parkgate Financial Services. In this series, we're looking at cash flow planning, the accumulation of retirement technology, and how advisors can demonstrate their value to clients. This is our third and final podcast, and for this one, we're looking at a big and important topic. This time around, we're looking at how advisors can demonstrate real value to a client. Chris, Steve, I'm sure you can help me out. So, Steve, I'm going to start with you. Um, We're looking to demonstrate value to a client here. Um, Do we do that through reporting and analysis?
1: Um, I think a lot of us possibly think that that's where the important part of the relationship with a client starts. But I think what the whole lockdown and COVID pandemic has driven is a desire for clients to interact with us more as their first need. So what you then do beyond that will very much depend on what the clock what the client wants but i think simply reporting and creating numbers and analytics and whatever for a client um, if you're not going to apply a lot more interaction with them uh, isn't necessarily going to deliver what the client now expects and now needs and i think that's perhaps been one of the greater differentiators that i've noticed when talking to different financial advisors uh, that i know is those that are finding um, greater success, enjoyment uh, in in the way in which they're working with clients is because of the increased interactivity with their client bank generally across the piece.
0: What do you think leads us to that kind of position? Because I think a number of people possibly go down that rabbit hole where you start working on your processes, which is a good thing to do, um, but then maybe you start thinking the clients care most about you having refined processes. Do you think that's kind of what happens there?
1: I think we get carried away sometimes um, with, with with actually thinking about what the clients want rather than just asking them. Um, and mm-hmm. I think what what for us in particular, what the whole of 2020 has allowed us to do is spend huge amounts of more time with clients and also to react to their need for that time a lot quicker. So if you take last year, and I'm sure I speak for many uh, financial advisors, if a client wants to have a chat with you, it might be next week, it might be the week after, it might be 3 o'clock next Thursday if I can get my diary jiggled around and I can get on the get from A to B and back to C to D. Um, was very much now, and certainly for us, we're saying, well, yeah, well, let's try and fit that in today or tomorrow. Yeah, mm-hmm. Because our, our working day can be longer if we want it to be because we're still not travelling, so we can use that travelling time. And we can see so many more people during the day and the experience is more concise. So yes, it's nice to preamble and talk about all sorts of stuff that you would do in a face-to-face environment it tends to be shortened. And so what we found is that firstly we can react a lot quicker to clients and that's their primary need to know that we're there and we have the answers good or bad for them ready and waiting. But also I think it's important to be proactive you aren't hearing from clients now is a better opportunity than ever to have the time to say, you know I'll go and give that particular client a call, see if I can arrange some sort of video conference and sit down and ask them, how are things? How are yeah. things going? Yeah, and for yeah, any, any economic situation, there are always those people who suffer and there are always those people who, who, who don't suffer. And we're seeing that in our in, in our clients, whether it's the, the, down to age, down to economic background, or just down to lifetime, lifetime uh, constraints lifestyle I'm
0: going to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think you're right it's more about that interpersonal stuff isn't it rather than kind of throwing reports and numbers at people. But um but Chris from your perspective because you still have to help with these kind of reports mm. and analysis, you know, what what do you do to make that as useful for the advisor as it can be?
2: Yeah, so I I totally agree, agree with Steve and you know, uh, I think the advisor's role is essential. And effectively, our role is just to be able to make them as efficient as uh, as possible. So, you know, what we we try to do is do all the things centrally once that you can do better with 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 technology and deliver it to uh, the advisor so that um, uh, he can use it. Um, And you know, in very simple terms, you know, if a if a person that Steve's talking to has got a concentration span of forty minutes at a push then you know, we don't want you know, Steve the wasting time having to plough through difficult technical processes and, and and software. We want him to be able to get to the answer very very quickly, so that he can then deploy his empathy and you know and, and understanding of the other of part as much as as, um, uh, as as possible. So I think you know I've always had a, a, a sort of a, a mantra that there is you know there's something that a, a cf 30 does best, there's something that a support person does best, and the sort of technology does best, and you know we need we need to do our role as efficiently as possibly possible for Steve so that and how is Steve to do his role as, as as best as possible there's obviously lots of areas that we can we can do centrally to to, to help Steve but I think also going back to interesting that the whole reporting thing as well so you know um, as well as being done I've got a long sort of uh, memory of the industry and it wasn't that long ago that you know uh, the only way you could find out any information at all was through your rep or your, your, your advisor to you go back long enough, you know, so you didn't know how much your uh, item Dunbar pension was worth until the guy came out and told you sort of thing. Um, and then when we had IDR, you know, everyone had to sort of come up with some kind of validation for their, um, uh, their, their fee and and everyone come up with. Well, I'll give them a valuation statement and I'll give them a newsletter, you know. And and you know, that you know, no one asked the client. That's just what we came up with. Um, of course, the good firms like Steve's have evolved massively for, for beyond that. But I think as soon as you know, Mifid came in and you know, the platforms were sending out statements and obviously DFMs are send, sending sending out statements, you know, if if it was just the reporting, um, and it just was in, 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 in mm-hmm. information, then you know, where is the where is value? And so it isn't, right? And it is what everything that's, that, that, that Steve, Steve said, it's about the the human interaction and understanding rather than just the numbers and the, um, and the
1: reports. If I can just just add to that, Ian, um, I didn't suggest it one second, it's just all about at the face of the financial advisor and got a little chat over a nice virtual hot cup of tea or something. Uh, I just think that the, the primary driver is to understand that that's what clients want to start with. They want the reassurance, the human virtual touch, if you want. But then clearly, yes, if we if, if we have the technology so that we can produce the data in a way that the clients want reviewing from last time. So we use an annual review process with, with, with um, Dynamic Planner that allows us very, very quickly to create a very comprehensive guide to the client on where things have been in the last 12 months period Um, and then of course it's very very important to to adopt and adapt the technology that they're now wanting to use with us to then remind them about the attitude to risk process about asset allocation about capacity for loss so that these are all reassuring points or if they do find themselves in a situation that they um, need to have a lot of focus and work on that you can start to do that for them.
0: Mm-hmm. And, and of course a few things we mentioned here such as attention spans um and you know just pumping out reports and analysis for the sake of it. Um, the reality is of course that people need information they're actually going to interact with. And you know Chris, for you, what what kind of stuff do you think people interact with best? is it is it infographics? is it videos is it does it have to be short and sweet? Can it be long and long-winded?
2: Yeah, so it's interesting we obviously have some in, in, insight and a sort of uh, over a year into our um, uh, a psychological study on on, on this this um, subject with the um, uh, Henry business school and the government but um, it, what, what you, you you see from that is there is different uh, people. You know, so uh, it's quite, we see it obviously in the way in which we uh, communicate internally. There is is some simple stuff where some people like to read text, some people like pictures, some people like um, um, experiences. And so what we do, we make sure that, you know, um, those are all available to the likes of Steve, and then those guys can sort of work out, um, you know, which, which which bit of communication, which style of communication is working, or or um, or indeed do do both or do all of them, so that the the, the, the consumer understands. But I think the. Um, uh the the important thing as well is we redesign we the outputs knowing that the likes of people show it to their clients so we design it fundamentally to, so that the client can understand using sort of um sort of that ordinary language I think there's a uh something over the last sort of um 10 years post IDR is I think advisors work so hard to become technically qualified um, that they sometimes want things to be overly technical in order to, to demonstrate their status. But from a consumer perspective, your advisor, you know, financial client status is really high. You know, it's much higher than a banker's. You know, when you look at it, you know, people actually do really respect Financial planner and really respect what they do. So you don't need to prove your status anymore. And I think sometimes what you can do is then be overly technical for the sake of it because you're worried about your status, and then forget to do all the you know the the understanding stuff. So we we we've kind of like tried to make the language and the, the visuals as as a client would understand because effectively it's, it's a very very complicated. Industry and our job, our advisor job, is to make something complicated look simple, not something simple look complicated. So we try to, to 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 put it to distill it down into that that way, and then give the tools. the Advisors can and, and obviously have multiple different tools depending on who he's talking to, whether it's a complicated client or a simple client, uh, or whatever.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, and the other side of the, the value proposition, as we've talked about already, is you know knowing your client and that relationship. Um, so, Steve, how do you how do you demonstrate the value of that to a client?
1: Yeah, I think picking up on, on what Chris has just said, I think that alongside um, having all the information on the technical side regarding the client, I think it has to be very specific to the client, especially in times that are more negative than positive. So if everything's great and the economy's going well and everyone's having lovely holidays and whatever, they're less concerned about the negative side of aspects in life generally. At the moment, they are very concerned, um, especially the first time they come and talk to us, because their preconceptions are it must be dreadful. It must be a lot worse than it is. But deep down in their psyche, I think selfishly, they're really saying, how bad is it for me? So I need to understand specifically what the impacts are on me. And so, yes, we have to know our clients very, very well. And we've had to become uh, better at doing that. We've had to understand our clients a lot better, perhaps, than we did before. And we've had to adopt and adapt more coaching skills, more consultancy skills, um, greater listening skills, greater empathy um, about the lifestyle. they're presently enduring for some of them and the concerns they have about how that lifestyle is going to continue.
0: Mm -hmm. And Yeah yeah, of course and and the thing you you mentioned there which i think is is key is the kind of specificity of the client and and Chris to give you you know a a dynamic planner perspective um you know how, how do you account for that with technology how do you make sure that everything you do is not only scalable and usable en masse but also can deliver a very individualised and personalised service.
2: Yeah, so we're very conscious that we are a tool, and you know the the um, the individual nature of uh, uh, what we do is in the hands of the uh, hands of the user. So you know, for some examples might be when you know uh, we, we, we pull through all the holdings uh, data. Um, we show the risk reward trade off in the actual numbers that relate to that in, in, in individual client. But one of the, the, the key areas, I think, is when you get into the cash flow planning tool. And I think this I would say, is where the magic happens, where you're into the incomings and outgoings and and, and, their, and their plans, and you're able to, um, you know, exp- so everyone's different than that. You know, we can, we can put through a sort of average person, but then when you put that, or you can even put, put in where a client is today. But when you start talking to people about their values, they will be making compromises that are very personal, or they very personal plans. So you know, some people really value their golf membership. Somebody else might, might value their sky. You know? and, and because that is just where you know, financial planning happens, it becomes um, uh, very individual. I think that's an area where the, the, the people stuff has to be, be very, very, very personal. I think also consistency is important. So you know, if you have a long-term relationship with, with with somebody, there needs to be some kind of structure and and and, and, and a map to follow. So once you've, you 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 personalize that and you go back back a year later, the story shouldn't be any different. You know, so I think there's there's parts around having a consistent investment model, having you know um, indices that show the performance of the. Um, uh, of, of the risk that the client's taken, so you've got context. You've got um, you know, being, you know whether, whether people make certain investment decisions one way or another. They, they they express a preference. They can see the consequences of that. So I, I think there's the, I think it, it, empowering the advisor to really quickly help a client to understand their choices operating within a consistent framework so that, that there isn't a time when actually you go back in different years and you're using a different yardstick or you're you know you're changing the um, the measurement of, of the success of the plan to suit the circumstances you know and and, and you know, i think a lot of it about managing expectations as you set the framework up, up, up in advance and what can go wrong and what can go right then when you go to a review meeting it's very easy to then you know to 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 talk about how he went right well and how it went wrong and 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 see how successful the choice choices were. So I think it's a combination of of being able to get into the real nitty-gritty of the person's life but have a consistent framework so that they can see where they are at different times.
0: I'm going to shift this along slightly um, because obviously it's all well and good talking about the value of planning and things like that which which we're well aware of. and I think people enjoy it. The advisor and the client enjoy that process. Um, but is it really worth anything if portfolio returns are consistently poor? You know, is the bottom line actually um, the returns? And Steve, I put that
1: to you. I think that's a brilliant question. Uh, but I'm going to pick up on what Chris just said. And, and I think it's partly about managing uh, the expectations with the client, but also educating those clients. And therefore, by using a process which is robust and, and repeatable, you're ensuring that over time, what is a very, very complicated uh, subject matter becomes better understood by a client. Mm-hmm. So, if you're going to have a client with a significant amount of funds, and unless you believe you really can't hold back the tide, there are going to be sometimes when the tide comes in, and there are going to be sometimes when the tide comes out. There are going to be sometimes when the value of their investments fall, and there are going to be sometimes when the value of their investments grow. And as long as that is within the expectations that you've set with the client, by using tools such as the the, the dynamic planner's attitude to risk process, for example, then their expectations are actually being met at the fundamental level.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. And so if you're working within those parameters for gain and loss, and you're delivering within them, that for me is the primary battle. It's the one battle you probably got the best chance of winning. Mm -hmm. And therefore the client's expectation is that you will deliver within those parameters in good or bad markets. Mm -hmm. not that you're going to have a a, a top quartile fund solution all times, not that you're going to beat the guy down the road, not that, not that, not that. And I think, again, although we don't have anywhere near the the, the energy and and resources to do the summer research Chris does, I don't believe for the life of me that clients compare the performance of 10 to 12 financial advisors in their locality. Mm -hmm. What they do is they sit back and say, did that financial advisor deliver What they said they would deliver? Do I understand what they're trying to deliver? And can I see that at every stage in in, in the life cycle with that financial advisor? And so by using the technology, you can very, very easily and very, very quickly create that understanding with the client. Then you can revisit it. And every time you revisit it, you add a level of understanding. And over years, that understanding becomes robust in itself. And then they become the best advocates for your business because you deliver on what you say you can deliver on, not deliver on what you hope you can deliver on. And for me, they're fundamentally different. And therefore, no, it's not about whether our portfolio choices have gone up by 1% more than somebody else or an index or this, that or the other. Have they delivered within the expectations that we set with those clients? And if we use the technology correctly, they should more often than they don't.
0: Yeah. And I think uh, the key thing you, you bring out of that is expectation management and client education. Um, I could see Chris nodding along there. I'm sure he's in agreement with you on this stuff. Um, but Chris, from your perspective, how do you, how do you help advisors to, to, you know, to deal with that client expectation and how do you build that into, to your processes so people can realize that, you know, retirement, the accumulation planning it, you know, there are so many variables at play.
2: Yeah. Uh, and i think with the um the question around the, the, the returns in, in particular we know we all need to remember that you know investing is just deferred spending so at, at outset you know we we, we show everything in, in 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 real returns and um i think that is, that is quite quite important because now, this is and and this is somebody's money that they are going to need to spend in, in in the future. So the starting point of that is is, is important. I think the the risk-adjusted returns, of course, is is vitally important because. What people see on the news is obviously the the the, uh, the UK stock market, whereas in reality, <clears throat> very few clients would be invested in that. And I think the you know, having the sort of um, uh, the appropriate level of um, risk and uh, return explained, um, and, and then obviously, and that's the expectation that the client is set is, is vitally important. I think also um, the, the 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 cash flow is just going to be. so uh, important going going forward because it is going to reframe the client's perspective from perhaps 10 years of excitement of being a stockbroker you know it's basically everyone imagines they can go online and they can imagine that they can pick funds and they can imagine they can do this and it all sounds very exciting a bit like fantasy football um but you know we all got away with that that was great great fun and and you know but going forward this is still people's real money and their livelihoods depend on it and, and having a cash flow whereby it's, it clearly brings to life you know your future self looks at the life stages that you're going to uh um, uh, come across as you as you get older, looks at your income and expenditure, and and you the possibility of your your capital being used to support you when you can no longer work. That's what's important, and I think just fundamentally having a principle which begins with, you know, the the, the future spending and 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 the, and the use of today's money to support my future self, is essentially going to um uh, to, to to do that, and, and all the way across the the, the system, uh, that that approach is, t- is taken in varying levels of detail depending on what the the user or the um the client
0: wants mm. and steve if i can ask a slightly different question on returns uh you know obviously we're recording this during a lockdown so what, what are clients expecting right now do they uh, you know are they are they asking you more questions about investments than usual uh, and how optimistic do you think they are
1: so um I think because it's about what you set out to achieve with your clients. For our clients, it's very much about understanding their needs, building solutions around cash flow and preparing them for bad news as well as as good news. And we get bad news fairly regularly. You know, there are lots of different reasons why we get bad news. Uh, But we don't have to think far too many years back in history, uh, very recent history to see that we've seen hiccups uh, in in stock market valuations and client portfolios, etc. I go back to my previous point. If we allow and expect that these are going to happen, if we plan for their occurrence and talk to the clients about them, and then we use cash flow tools to demonstrate the impact of these occurrences, we should also be talking to clients before COVID, before 2008, 2009. What are we going to do if that happens again? It's not about waiting till it does and then panicking and just checking, have we got enough lifeboats? Because apparently we've hit one of those icebergs again. It's about saying, right, we might just hit one of those icebergs again. What are we going to do if that happens? And so our clients are gradually getting to expect and understand that this is just what's going to happen throughout my retirement, throughout my deaccumulation, on my journey up to to retirement. Um, And depending on where they are in that journey, take positives from the negatives that that surround us. Because there has to be a plan B and that's when we deliver the most value. We deliver the most value by showing them with the technology that's available, with the graphics that we can demonstrate quickly and efficiently, that it's not all doom and gloom. And for those clients that it is, what's the plan? How can we support them? What can we do for them? Where can we introduce them to that might help them to get more grants that are available from government? We have to be more holistic financial planners in times like today, and then we can sit back perhaps and reflect a little bit more in the sunshine when everything's going in the right direction on its own. Mm -hmm. So without that technology, without the technology we're using today, without the technology that the dynamic planner produces, I don't know how you achieve that. I really don't because And most people are visual. They want to see much more than they want to hear. They want to be specific about them, and they want you to be honest. And if you can build all of that into your conversation with a client, you can dismiss and destroy a lot of the myths that the news at 10 or whatever might be producing for them, as as Chris was alluding to before, because it becomes about them. Mm -hmm. And I think the focus on them is what we all want ultimately no matter what what we buy and who who we interact with deep down what's it what's going to happen to me and then let's think about everyone else around me
0: yeah and i'm I'm glad you mentioned technology there steve because that's my next question i mean there's all sorts going on with technology right now we've got client portals that people can use Um, as you say rightly uh, there's technology that helps people see exactly what's going on with their finances and, and there's perhaps as well, um, in societal terms, a, a greater desire for interactivity and for real-time information and to know everything immediately. Um, so for Chris, my question is, is, is technology now a kind of driving point of, of the proposition? Uh, you know, can, can, you, can you really do proper financial advice about this technology?
2: Um well you, you can. You you just have less clients and spend more time doing it. Um I think the way, way in which I look at look, look at technology is you know it's like Wiggins teep back in in, in, in the eighties, you so you could do everything on paper and, and you had to have paper. You couldn't do it on a on a blackboard and and, and, and abacus and you know and, and it's interesting when we sort of talk about technology companies is you know it's technology is just there it's a hygiene factor now and um, and i think the um so we 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 uh, are using you know the, the leading technology to deliver our our, um, our our current cash flow planning tool that's available and and everyone else can go and get that software because it's fundamentally um a uh, 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 Microsoft so I, I think the actual use of technology we're on, on on zoom now we could have been on teams it's all pretty much the same thing so I think it's, it's an entry-level requirement that you now use you know different mediums to do to, to to do your job I think the the, the important thing is Actually, what Steve was saying is to remember what your purpose is. Is to remember that there is someone at the end of the, at the end of the, um, uh, the conversation, and 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 understanding them, understanding their values and and uh, what they want out of life, and it, it's the content that you deliver through the technology that is that is so important, and the support that we give the people who are, you know, are, are professionals. So you know, uh, we we could go and and develop a whizzy app that you know that um you could do everything on you know and we could sell it you know, on app store Right? no one would use it you know and we wouldn't do that because who cares you know really you know what people care about is you know um, am i going to be all right and software can't do that what we can software can do is enable steve to be able to service as many people as possible in the most efficient way as possible with nice video or nice reports and nice interactive um, uh, uh, messaging so that the client then believes that he's okay because Steve's, Steve's told it to him in a way that he can understand.
0: Mm-hmm. And, and Steve, you know how, how important a value-add is technology for you these days? You, would you describe it as a kind of fundamental part of the
1: proposition? Massively, massively. Um, at the moment, we wouldn't be having this meeting without with with technology that um, most of us weren't using mm-hmm. you know, this time last year. Um, I think, though, that the key message to financial advisors out there for me personally would be just embrace. Don't expect to be an expert overnight. Don't expect to have to use the whole functionality of whatever technology it is. But don't avoid it because you can't. Yeah, I'm not an expert on Teams or Zooms. There's a million more things this technology can do, but I fundamentally can use the basics. And I'm constantly trying to learn a little bit more and a little bit more don't avoid the technologies from the likes of the dynamic planners of this world because it does so much adopt it because it does something that you don't do presently and then continue to adapt and adopt because it will continue to do that anyway. Mm. And therefore if you won't use the technology until you've mastered it, you'll never use the technology because that's just, this is not going to happen. And and we've seen for, for example, that just by contacting clients, discovering they don't use this sort of technology and then just spending the time on the telephone to help them to set it up has transformed the lives of their grandchildren, their nieces and nephews, because all of a sudden they can visualize and talk to people they didn't speak to in the family before. Uh, and I've got lots of examples of this, but the best one is it's because no one had patience to show granddad how to do it, but somehow you did. It's not that. Granddad has a different relationship with me. He doesn't shout and scream at me, and I don't shout and scream back. My own granddad, perhaps, but not this particular client. And so we got there. But here's the trick for for advisors out there. Who do you think he tells everybody about this fantastic technology? He tells them how his financial advisor helped him do this. So it's also a great way of expanding our network And using the technology to get clients to recommend people to us, not Mm. because we're the best cash flow planners, not because we're using stuff to the nth degree, but we're doing stuff we weren't doing this time last year. We're helping the clients understand how to get the benefits out of it. And trust me, they do see the benefits of what we're doing for them by bringing all of this to life in the visuals and the graphics that we can provide for them. And it's it's, it's, it's transformational. For most of the clients that I've certainly been interacting with over the last six to eight months,
0: mm-hmm. and, and Chris, just to just to build on that, because it's, it's a strong case for adopting technology and embracing it within your firm. Um, from your perspective, what what technology do you think clients are using more of now? You know, what have the last few months taught clients.
2: Um, I think the obvious one is is um video in, in interaction. I mean, certainly you know, this goes back to the whole Star Trek thing, doesn't it? We used to watch Star Trek. Oh my god, wouldn't it be great to have a be able to talk to people on video now? We wish we didn't have to, you know. <laughs> we look forward to a Saturday if you don't have to talk to somebody on video, it's becoming so normalized it's it, 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 um um it, it's Andrew. Um I think you know, and, and again, um one of the um going back to the making complicated things look simple we've what modern technology allowed us to do is process things so fast that um and, and bandwidth as well that um you know uh steve can actually you know, use our software to perform very very complicated um calculations in the background and actually look quite simple and quite quite quick and uh, uh in- intuitive so um i think what we're beginning to see is a shift from technology being used as a post-sale justifier and becoming something that is usable in front of the client as a a sales tool um, so that the actual process to which the decisions and advice was given was done together um, and therefore the suitability um, disclosure uh, documentation is you know Almost already done for you because it, it, it happened as you went along. Um, I think there's a long way to go for that because obviously it's it, it's a behavioural change. But I think the use of and um, technology with a client live in real time and decisions and discussions happening in in, in real time is what we're we're seeing, which you know, never used to happen um, you know, in, in years ago because it just wasn't fast enough, it wasn't pretty enough, it wasn't you know client focused mm-hmm.
1: enough. Um, I don't know if Steve agrees with that. But. Yeah, I, 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 we wonder how we managed managed before COVID. I think that, that that that's the big question, and and the super challenge is going to be not to go back uh, too far, if at all, to how we were, um, if we're ever allowed to operate in a very similar in, environment. Um, and what we've achieved in eight nine months is probably without exaggeration what might have taken five or six years mm. certainly for most firms if, if, if not longer. not necessarily just from the advisor's perspective, but from the culture of the client, the client's acceptance that this is the way we're going to operate and then an appreciation and an enjoyment from it. Um, and therefore why would you replace that with I'll, I'll try and get I'll try and come and see you in three weeks time why not let's just talk this afternoon? Well, let's just talk first thing in the morning or early evening. I can't see for the life of me why we'd want to, to replace that and then why we wouldn't want to be able to continue to drive the specific financial planning that the technology allows us to do so that the clients can... Because clients are adjusting. They are thinking more about their own mortality, about what comes next, about helping out their family, perhaps even their friends and charitable work, etc. And Cash flow tools allow us to sit down with them and explain how much of that might be possible, how much of it might not be possible. We talk about what's enough. Do you actually know what's enough? If you don't know what's enough, it doesn't really matter what else we do. Mm. If you haven't got enough, you haven't got enough. If you've got too much, you've got more than enough. What's enough? Mm. And so I think that the technology enables us to have those sorts of conversations specific to the impact of all of the assets, the investments, whatever the clients may have, but without the tech, it's just words. It's just noise. Mm -hmm. A a picture does paint a thousand words. It's as simple as that.
0: And to kind of throw a slightly different question in and to move on to our our final question of the podcast, Um, how much of the value these days, and I know these things aren't exclusive, you know, they're not independent of technology and of the other factors, but how much of the value-add to clients is the proposition of itself and, and telling a coherent story? And Steve, I'll, I'll go back to you.
1: Um, I like to answer that question by saying, show me a business where that's not the most important thing, and, that, and there are very, very few businesses. Where it's not about that. It's not about understanding the value that you're getting. For, for 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 what you're paying for, and so I think not only is the proposition important, but the articulation of the of the of the proposition, uh, the repeating of that articulation to the clients to not get bored of telling your clients what it is you do for them, what it is you want to do for them, what it is you can do for them, and for me ever ever, ever since uh, uh, you know coming across Dynamic Panel years and years and years ago, it was all about. Uh, and it might even have been Ben Goss who said this, but it's stop hiding all the stuff that we do and bring it out to the center. Yeah, Because Mm -hmm. if you hide everything you do and you only turn up for an hour or so with your clients, how can they perceive the complete value that goes into that? So don't be frightened of building, for example, the cash flow uh, tool with them. By building whatever technology you're using, once you're proficient at it, in front of the client, bearing in mind their attention spans and individual needs. Don't just say, here's what I prepared earlier. Voila. And and, and expect to get all, all, all the credit for it. How did you get there? Why do you do that? What are you trying to achieve as a financial advisor? And then, of course, the prod rules and everything else is important, but don't forget to actually ask the client, does that resonate? Is that what you want me to be doing? Because if it's not, I might as well stop and do something completely different for you. Yeah. and so i feel that the, the building of the proposition and the building and the use of the tech it's so important to keep stopping and asking the client how are we doing how are we getting on how is that for you is that adding value to your relationship with me do you want to tell other people about it mm. because that's, that's the best that's the best answer and if not let's just stop for a second and and, and regroup
0: and, and chris how do you factor that in when you're you know creating technology for advisors because it's probably quite tempting to just throw technology at people and say hey look at this it does a b c or d but there is that whole story to tell that whole narrative to kind of yeah. unwind from it all so how, how do you factor that in
2: well firstly you know, there are you know, as many different advisors as there are opinions on 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 how it should be so we we need to be able to support all different kinds of approaches and different kinds of propositions in in, in the first place even to to advisors and of course within that they're going to have different clients that want different things so flexibility is a um uh, a key key part of that and um, the other part is the the end-to-end system which you know, so that you're you know, so depending on whichever bit it is that this particular client is curious about or whatever, that he's consistent with the bit that we are talking about, about about before. So the whole consistency is um is is quite important. Um but also we you know we're fully aware that you know uh, what we do isn't actually very interesting or a big part of our clients uh, time or their lives so you know as, as great as, as Steve will be you know once the clients had the meeting they're, they're down the pub they're watching the football they've, they've forgotten all, 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 all about it um, so you know I always go back to the old adage people don't remember what you say uh, or what you do but they do remember how you make them feel so I think there's a, a lot about you know how your proposition makes the, uh, the, the con- consumer feel um, you know and that's from sort of how you explained up front, through to the consistency part, through to the focus on them, but also through to the output being aimed at them and, and, and to be quality. You know, so when we designed our, our output, you know, it, we we imagine that someone might leave it on their coffee table and, and be proud of it and pick it up another day, or or or, or you know, the, the the show off to their their, their friends. We want it to, to be something that helps Steve to be proud of his output and for that to be aligned back to his website and his original promise. To, 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 the, to the
0: client, mm-hmm. and, and I'm going to actually finish with yeah. The overall theme for today's podcast is how do you demonstrate real value to a client? Now we've gone over loads of different aspects of that, but with everything considered, you know, let's, let's use that as a question as itself. So, so Steve, how do you demonstrate real value to a client?
1: I think you demonstrate real value to a client by an interaction with them that results in a significant change in their own behavior, understanding, or action. And you find, especially in the deaccumulation space, that all the stuff we've just talked about can be revolutionary. It can be life-changing for a client to in- improve their understanding, their relationship with their wealth, and understand better how to enjoy that wealth however that enjoyment might, might, might be reached. If you cannot get that reaction from a client because you're doing what we said 30 or 40 years ago and sell them a product, then I don't think you've achieved anywhere near the potential that both you as an advisor can and the technology that supports you can help you deliver.
0: Mm-hmm. and and uh, you know uh, chris do you have a, a view on this as well you know how would you if you were given the chance i know you're not at the coal face, but how do you think you should demonstrate real value to a client
2: yeah i, I think it, ultimately the, the measure of value is in the client's own mind and you know that 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 is the uh the the, the important thing and I, and I think there is a um a strength and a wisdom that you can gain from a from a good financial advisor. Um, you know, I think sometimes, you know, if I was Steve's client, he, he, you know, I might want to do something. He might tell me not to do it, or he might tell me to do something I don't want to do. You know, and and because you know he has wisdom and experience, I respect him. Then then I will do that, and that will that could potentially change cha- change my life. What concerns me, um, which has been going on for you know quite quite a while, is, is a misconception that um, you know the total. Um, the return that I might have got from an investment over time let, um, it has to be improved by what Steve does from whether it's saving me tax or improving performance. and that's just rubbish. And and and, and you know that is if, if we continue down that road, then, you know we're going to kill probably the most one of the most important industries in society. You know we we have to believe that what we do for the person is way way beyond the the, the numerical outcome. Um, and, and, and again, if you just listen to what Steve is saying for the whole of this call, you can see that, that is exactly what um, uh, he is he is doing. And ultimately, the consumer has got the power now to to cancel their their, their fees whenever they want. And Steve's made sure that he's aren't. And I think that is the ultimate measure.
0: Mm-hmm. And we could go on, but I'm afraid that is all we have time for. But Chris, Steve, thank you both for joining me, and for everyone listening, thanks for tuning in.
1: Goodbye for now. <laughs>